You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Guess what? I got a fever. And the only prescription is more cowbell. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. It seems counterintuitive because doing a podcast and making sure that there's content isn't always the easiest thing. So the fact that there's a lot of news lately should be a good thing, but I'll be honest, I'm just tired of there being news. It's like I got an idea for what I want to do today. And then a bunch of news comes out, and it's it's not like the Packers signed somebody or even cut somebody or or you know it's I don't know this the it's just it maybe it's because it's like the same news over and over again. Guess what, guys? We get less football. Guess what? I'm going to tell you tomorrow. We probably get less football, and then the next day I'll probably have more news about how we have less football. But anyways, there is more news. It does pertain to there being less football. I'm going to try to get through that as quickly as possible because I would like to get to what I actually want to get to today. I don't know if I should even tell you because if we don't get to it, that would be embarrassing. You know what? I'm telling you. That means I have to do it. Today on the Packernet Podcast, I'm giving five bold predictions. Are they homery bold predictions? Yes, they are. They absolutely are because I want to say happy things sometimes. But anyways, before we get into all that goodness, make sure you are in the Packernet Podcast Facebook page. Make sure you're a <laughs> group. Make sure you like the Packernet Podcast Facebook page. It's kind of like in golf when you really just try to lay into that ball and, you know, it's it's really bad. And you realize it's better to just, just have a normal, nice swing. I mean, if you're really good at it, yeah, you can lay into it. But for the rest of us, just do a solid swing and don't try to shatter the ball and it'll probably go pretty decently far me trying to rip through that really fast it just slows everything down and then i have to give you an analogy of something um as far as i've got a lot of different ideas and we're given a lot of ideas about ways to do some interactive fun stuff during the season but as far as the fantasy football leagues for the patreon actual fantasy football um we have more than enough people we have two teams of 12. If you are a patron, you can still jump on. I'll find a way to, to make it work. Also, I am continually updating those lists, so keep an eye on that. You maybe change teams, whatever. That post that I made, go check it. Once again, if you guys wouldn't mind subscribing to the YouTube channel, it is Pack Daddy NFL. A couple little twists that I'm planning on. Number one, I already mentioned that if I do a live stream, which I'm thinking about this weekend... We'll see, because I'm also doing some draft content. That's going to be on YouTube, not Facebook. Um, I may also start uploading to YouTube first, leaving it there for a while before it goes to Facebook. And then third, um, similar to what I did with uh, Instagram, I'm planning on doing some more giveaways. And the giveaways are going to pertain to subscribers on YouTube. So as many incentives as I can give you to get over there, push the little red subscribe button, the little bell... For the notifications and click all, the better. Also, I just wanted to throw out one suggestion. For those of you that are listeners, that are Packer fans, that are gentlemen with facial hair, if you are one of the guys that gets the balm, the oil, 
whatever, you know, for your beard, the, the trimming and maintenance stuff, I would encourage you to check out Bearded Buck Company. The website is beardedbuckco.co. And the only reason I'm suggesting it is because I don't know why you'd want to buy it from somebody that isn't a Packers fan, isn't from Wisconsin, and isn't in our Facebook group and hasn't been for a very long time. Just throwing it out there. Anyways, let's take a break and uh, we'll come right back to it. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. So the first thing, um, preseason is officially dead. It's done. It's over. And similarly tied to that, the 90-man roster has been cut down to an 80-man roster. Now, obviously, you don't go into the season with 90 anyways, so these guys likely weren't going to make it. And with no preseason, the the 10 guys that get cut, you know, th- there's no information, right? That These guys are not going to have hardly any information. So the roster is going to be largely the same as it was last year. The only difference being the free agents we brought in, the d- people we drafted, and the guys that the Packers are just ready to move on from. The question, though, is, you know, if, if you're all that curious, who is it that's getting cut? Who are the 10 people that before this thing even kicks off, we have to cut? Because I believe it's as of right now, you're not allowed to have 90, right? The, the NFL rule, which used to be 90, and then you start doing cutdowns, is now 80, and then you do cutdowns. So 10 people are just disinvited to Green Bay. So there's several different statuses right there's veterans and there's the free agents and the drafted guys and the undrafted guys i think the people that are most in danger are the trying to think of the right term not necessarily undrafted free agents because they don't have to be but guys that were kind of just picked up off the street that have played before that have never really been very good but you kind of just pick up because there's you know it's like the guys you pick up during the season the five foot nine, two hundred you know, twelve pound running back that Gutekunst likes to pick up about once a week, or five eleven, two hundred and twenty pounds, I think is what it is. It's guys that we've already seen that Green Bay maybe has already seen, but whether or not they've seen them in person or just on another team, we have information about them. We know that they're not very good. We picked them up because we think they might be able to contribute a little bit. That or they're just next on the list of guys, and we gotta round out the ninety. Please stop. I think those guys are most in danger. Um, And then more specifically, you look at positions in which they're pretty full and there's a lot of competition, I guess, that um, is probably 
the Packers want to take a look at the other guys more than they want to take a look at you. So my first thought was, well, they're just going to cut 10 undrafted free agents, but I think there's a, a class lower than them, and that's the guys that I just described. For example, if you look at a guy like Greg Roberts, Greg Roberts is a defensive tackle. The Packers signed him as an undrafted free agent in May of 2019. Now, I'm not saying definitively Greg Roberts is gone, but if you're looking at it, Dean Lowry, Kenny Clark, Tyler Lancaster, we drafted Jonathan Garvin, we got Montrevious, which we'll, we'll talk about guys like Montrevious in a bit. You got Kingsley Kiki, who 100% is going to stay. We brought in Gerald Willis and Jamal Davis, I believe, is the other one. And then we have undrafted free agents, Scott Delante and um, Willington Pavilion, that we have not seen yet. Right? They're undrafted free agents, so maybe they kind of get cut. But again, we picked them up because we think they might have some potential. We probably want to at least try to get a look at them. Get them in the building, get them through some physicals, run them through some drills, just see what they look like. So those are the guys that I think are going to go. Um, next in line would probably be undrafted free agents. I think you could easily say all 10 are guys like Malik Taylor and KB Onento, but maybe another wide receiver like Daryl Stewart who was an undrafted free agent, um, because it's possible that some of these guys that I'm talking about, these you know 2019 guys that we picked up, maybe the Packers really do like them and they want to see more, like Darius Shepard. But you know, you look at a, a, a stacked group like wide receiver where you've got Adams and Lazard and Funchess and MVS and Kumaro and EQ, Darius Shepard, Reggie Begleton, maybe a guy like that goes. Um, another one would be a guy like maybe Jalen Morton. Although that's fairly unlikely, but the 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 pro, Jalen Morton is a quarterback, by the way. The, the the reason I say that not because we have a billion quarterbacks, but is Jalen Morton even going to be given the opportunity to compete? Either we keep four quarterbacks, or we want to get rid of Tim Boyle and we just put Jalen Morton in that spot, or what? Right? What what opportunities does Jalen Morton have to prove that he's going to be the guy? And that kind of leads me to the next part about, well, maybe they know they want to move on from Tim Boyle or Jay Kumaro or uh, Montrevious. I don't think so. I don't really think that's a thing. They may be, you know, some of these guys may be on their, their last legs. And I guess with no preseason, actually, now that I think about it, it could be possible. Some We may see some veterans getting cut. And Here's the thing. My thought was, coming into this thought before I said something that I'm about to disagree with, <laughs> If you know that a veteran is no good, he's cut already. He's not going to stay on the team. Think about it this way. The guys that I've been talking about, the undrafted free agents, um, et cetera, et cetera, these are like lottery tickets. They're scratch-offs, and you're hoping you just win a little bit of money. And then once in a very, very rare blue moon, you get like a million bucks off one of these things. Turns out a guy at my work just won a million dollars or something. It's pretty nuts. But anyways, it's a real thing. Apparently it does happen. Veterans and guys that have been around are also like lottery tickets, but you've already scratched it. So if you know coming into the season that we don't really want Montrevious, we would have already gotten rid of Montrevious. Now, the caveat here is, if guys like Kumaro, you know, uh, offensive linemen like Yash Nijman, maybe even guys like Tim Boyle, Josh Jackson, who I just did a whole thing about him possibly breaking out, maybe if they were in a position where the preseason was their last hope. In other words, they're off the team unless they can prove that they're on the team because they've already got it figured out. This is our roster. This is our roster right now unless they can win a spot during the preseason. Now, there's still going to be some training camp stuff, but can a guy get himself back on during training camp? 
I guess maybe if, if part of your problem is a, a lack of understanding of the offense or the defense, maybe we want to get you in to see if you've grown in your understanding. Maybe we've told you to cut down or, or bulk up or whatever, and we're going to see if you got there. But if we essentially have already put you outside of the bubble, and you know, especially if we've added somebody already to that position, you know, you could look at a guy like Tim Boyle now that we brought in Jordan Love. You could look at, I don't, I don't think Dexter. He needs more time could look at a guy like, again, Kumaro or MVS or somebody because we brought in, you know, Begleton, who we want to see. EQ is coming back, who we know we want to give him more time. We brought in Funchess. Maybe some of these guys are already outside the bubble and they're not going to have the opportunity to win their spot back. So it's probably, if I had to guess, going to be guys like Greg Roberts, guys like Malik Taylor and KB Anento, maybe even guys like James Looney. Right? He's been around for a while now although he's changing position now, so we got to see if he's any good at that. I don't, I don't know. But that's that. my thought is don't ex- necessarily expect anything big, but there is some potential that there's some actual big cuts here only because that one last preseason game is now gone. If that was still on, it would, 100% in my mind, it would just be you know undrafted free agents slash guys who are probably practice squad guys last year or the year before, and they're just kind of just going to let them go. But again, with no preseason, maybe, maybe it's we would rather have um, Delonte Scott and and see what he can do as an undrafted free agent than Montrevious because we're just done with him. Especially now that we brought in Gerald Willis and Jamal Davis, the uh, the you know free agent guys we picked up. So it'll be interesting. I don't I don't know what the timeline is for the cutdowns. I don't know what they gave them for that, but uh, that's going to have to get done. Um, in some additional news, the uh, Green Bay Packers said that if they allow fans, they will allow somewhere between ten to 12,000 fans. I, I don't think they're going to have fans. And the biggest reason that I say that is one of the, the rules that's written in there is that you have to wear a mask while inside the facility except when you're eating and drinking. Would you like to know what most people do in these situations? I'm not saying I'm one of these people. I'm not saying I'm not. I'm just saying maybe sometimes people do this. You leave your mask off, and you just kind of keep your hand on your drinking thing. I've always got a jug of water. It's not really, I don't know what you call it. It's a giant vessel of liquid. It holds a whole pot of coffee, so. That size thing, I'm, and it's always full. It's, it's got coffee, it's got water, it's got whatever. And I'm constantly sipping on it all day. Anyways, one of these days, I'm literally going to pour it right on my mask, and then I'm really going to be upset, and I'm just going to throw that dumb thing in the garbage. But seriously, you, you, you got a ton of people who are eating and drinking, and maybe that's a decent ploy to get people to buy more food and bev but as long as your hand is on a drink you don't have to wear a mask what's somebody gonna do say hey put your mask on just take a sip yep drinking give me a minute here thanks boss and and the ability to have that kind of a loophole is going to cause a problem now there was another facility i saw that it just said you have to wear a mask at all times period are you saying that you're not allowing food and beverages because that's ridiculous that's impossible you can't have people come into your facility and not offer them any food or water. Do you know how hot it is? Are you kidding? That's impossible. People will have to drink beverages. They will have to take their mask off in order to do so. So, again, it's just stuff like that that's going to cause a problem. So, I don't know. Hopefully they can. I would love to have at least, you know, I know it's 80,000 people fit in that stadium, but it's, you know, one in every eight seats. 10,000 is not a small amount of people. I don't know. I'm hoping that it, they allow it. I just, it, it doesn't seem feasible. And again, it's partly because they've already conceded it's too dangerous to swap jerseys. 
but yet it's okay to have 10,000 people who most of which are not going to wear masks at least some of the time. Actually, 100% are not going to wear masks all the time. And again, the, the mask thing is, is it's, it's not 100%. It doesn't do... It, it, it's not like the, the virus stays just on your lips, and as long as you've got your, your face covered, you're fine. Can't it be on your hands? Can't it be on your water bottle? Can't it be on the seat? Can, you know, it's... You're still there. You're still bumping into people, touching people, touching stuff which touches other people. If you have the virus, it's just on you. It's part of the reason it's just, you know... Well, whatever. In addition to that, um, there was some news that came out that 95 people tested positive for COVID or whatever. At least that's how some people tried to make it sound. Absolutely not true. There is a grand total of 95 that have tested positive since they began testing. That number is up to 95. Now, again, that's going to continue to climb. But the fact that we've already got media members trying to turn this into a panic by making misleading titles that make it sound like it's worse than it is, is part of the reason that I'm nervous that this, is, this just isn't going to be a thing. Why are you doing that? Explain to me why you feel it's necessary to make panic-type titles other than to just, you know, make it kind of clickbaity. Hey, maybe I'll make a little bit more money if I make it sound worse than it is. Man, you're trash. The article I read also went on to say that like 3% of football players um, have tested positive. And they made it sound like that was a big number. And again, my, my brain just works differently on this virus. I see 3% and I don't think that's a big number. I think, oh great, that means 97% don't have antibodies and are susceptible. Am I the only one that wishes they were, and I understand antibodies are different. If it's me, they all show up, they all do antibody tests, 100% of the league has had the virus. That would be the best possible news. You know why? Because my goal isn't to make sure that nobody ever gets this. My goal is to make sure that this virus goes bye-bye, and that the NFL season isn't affected. If every single one of these people has antibodies, which obviously this is fake, but again, I'm just explaining to you my thought process on this, which is the exact opposite of everybody else, and I'm just confused by it. If 100% of the people had had this virus, or showed up and have it currently, and are not showing symptoms, that would be fantastic. Because in two weeks, we're going to have an NFL football season, because everybody will have antibodies. And for the crew out there saying, well, then it's going to mutate. Well, then if that's the case, we need to just give up the masks and everything else. Because a, a vaccine is nothing more than giving your body antibodies. So if the herd immunity doesn't do anything, then vaccines don't do anything. Just throwing that out there. That's all a vaccine is. It's the reason why we keep getting the flu, even though we get flu shots, because it, it mutates. If this thing's just going to keep mutating, well, okay, then guess what? We got to just live with this thing. So it's not a big number, and my hope is actually that most of these players have already contracted it. That instead of three, it's not 3% of people have, have had this, it's 73%. That would make me extremely happy, because it's not just big numbers that scare me, and I just don't like big numbers. I want the virus to go away, and it's only going to go away when lots and lots and lots and lots of people have had this. And we're only going to have a season if lots and lots and lots of football players have had this and are not susceptible to getting this virus. I don't see 3% and say, oh, that's such a big number. I see 3% and say, shoot. Because, again, it's like a dry forest. A little spark, and this whole thing's going to go up, and we lose the NFL season. Entire teams could be quarantined. And that shuts everything down. I mean, this seems painfully obvious to me. Now, they're not doing antibody tests, so we don't know, but that, that's just my hope. My hope, in my mind, is that although it says about 3 point something something percent have got this virus, it's actually about 53, 63, 73 percent. They got it. They didn't have symptoms. They're good. Everything's fine. 
That would be great news for the league. It would be great news for the country. It's probably not the case, but it would be nice. All right, I got to hurry up now because although I'm only 18 minutes in, I've got 15 real actual minutes to get through my uh, bold predictions. I'm not exactly sure what order to go in, but um, let's start with, I believe A.J. Dillon will have more carries than Aaron Jones. That doesn't necessarily mean more touches or even more snaps, although probably more snaps, but he will get more carries. Here's my thought with A.J. Dillon. I think Matt LaFleur went to Brian Gutekunst and said, I need a workhorse back. Remember how mad we all got when Mike McCarthy refused to give Aaron Jones the ball 20 times a game because he was, you know, five yards per carry and all of that stuff? And the reason we said, even back then, was because he's not durable enough. He can't handle that workload. Matt LaFleur comes in and we think, oh man, he's going to get a ton more carries because he loves to run the ball. Aaron Jones is going to tear it up. He got about the same amount of carries. The point is, whether you want a workhorse back or not, Aaron Jones is not that guy. Now, Mike McCarthy never really wanted one. He was fine with, you know, just a handful of carries, just to keep him honest. You don't even need to get yards. We'll run it once every 55 plays, but otherwise we're just throwing the ball. That's not Matt LaFleur. Something else to keep in mind. Everybody's just talking about Derrick Henry and he's just this great back. It's almost as if we forgot he wasn't always a great back. It's almost as if we forgot he wasn't even a workhorse back, despite being built like one. That is until Matt LaFleur came over. Matt LaFleur came over and said, nope, this is my guy. Derrick Henry, who was built like a Mack truck, is going to be getting carries. He's going to be getting a lot of carries. And he's going to be the feature of this team. That philosophy continues to this day after Matt LaFleur. And it just so happens that a guy who likes to run the ball, who doesn't have a back who's you know super talented that can handle that kind of workload, drafts a guy that's built like Derrick Henry and can handle that kind of a load. Now, it's not necessarily set in stone because it's entirely possible that A.J. Dillon just isn't a very good running back, and so he doesn't get all that many carries. But they also are going to want to give him as many opportunities as possible because as much as it stinks to say it, the Packers are going to try to be able to move on from Aaron Jones. And if A.J. Dillon can be a workhorse back and can do what he needs to do, A.J. Dillon's, or Aaron Jones is going bye-bye, more than likely. Now, again, there's always that possibility that, again, Aaron Jones is, he's sort of that number two guy who gets 10 carries per game on top of a bunch of receptions. But they're going to, before they commit to that, they're going to try that role, which means you've got your workhorse back, A.J. Dillon, and then you've got Aaron Jones continuing essentially to do what he's been doing. He maybe has a reduced role. Instead of his 15 carries or 14 carries, he gets 11 or 10 carries, but that is going to be my prediction. I think Matt LaFleur is going to try to put the screws to that. Now, like everything else, it becomes less likely because there's less time to practice, so any new guys coming in and having an impact is lessened. Now, last thought on that, running back tends to be the one position where you need less time to prepare. It's a little bit more plug and play than say quarterback where you just there's a ton to process and figure out. Second bold prediction. Again, this depends entirely on their level of play, but I'm going to say by the end of this season, Rashawn Gary will be getting more snaps than Preston Smith. I I see this as being something similar to what Kenny Clark did by the end of the season in his first year. Kenny Clark, when he started out, had limited snaps. Right, there was uh, Francois and some other people that were getting the, the bulk of it next to Mike Daniels. By the time we got to the playoffs, it was Kenny Clark and Mike Daniels, and that, that was the duo. There was a little bit of the other guys sprinkled in, but that was the, the one-two punch, and that slowly evolved over time. 
Now, last year you had Rashawn being a rookie. You had Preston absolutely blowing expectations out of the water. I think he had 12 sacks. But but that's not typical Preston. And I don't necessarily expect Preston to repeat that. So if Preston is a little bit closer to like a six-sack guy, which, I mean, if you look at his sacks, nine, five, eight, six, so call it seven-ish on average. Could do the math, but I don't want to, short on time. Um, and Rashawn, as I said, um, if you go over to Fan to Fan Network, I took the YouTube video I made, turned it into an article on the whole breakout players, and, and Rashawn was one of them. Kind of added it, expanded onto that. I did a, a top five list or whatever of guys that could break out. So head over to Fan to Fan Network, check out that article. But one of the things I said about Rashawn Gary is if you give him as many snaps as you gave Zadarius Smith and just extrapolate out the pressures he had, he would have, I think, I forget the number of pressures, but he would have ranked, I think, 14th in pressures in the NFL and would have had, I think, 12 sacks just by giving him a full workload, just by giving him the same number of, of snaps as Zedarius, who would have been 14th in pressures and tied for 10th in sacks. So as Preston regresses, as I expect him to, statistically, I mean, if you look at his PFF grade, 2018 was his breakout year. He regressed back to what he's always been. His grades minus 2018, 65, 63, 63, 66. 2018, 76 was his breakout year. That's why we signed him. So in other words, PFF is looking at it and saying he went back to the same old guy, but just had a, a really big year in terms of total pressures and especially in terms of sacks. They have him down for 15 sacks. That's that's This is a Kyler Fackrell type jump. And it's not a jump in terms of product, or in terms of his playability. It's a jump in terms of his numbers. Maybe that stays a little bit, but it's going to regress some. He's not getting 15 sacks again. So again, as Rashawn continues to grow, and, and again, similar situation with AJ, they want that to happen. They expect Rashawn to be the top guy. And as a team that constantly needs to manage the cap, as the cap continues to shrink, and the Packers are already in a tight spot with guys, you know, they have a tight cap situation as it is. Aaron Rodgers' contract gets more expensive. Devontae's contract gets more expensive. A lot of guys continue to get more expensive. And you got Bakhtiari and AJ, uh, Aaron Jones and King and all these guys looking for contracts. You need to find space. One of the obvious places is Rashawn over Preston. And again, they're going to be pushing that. And even if they're on equal footing, even if Rashawn is as good as Preston, only as good, they're going to put Rashawn in that spot. That is Rashawn's spot. Preston's holding it. Preston's only going to be able to keep him at bay so long as he is playing at this high of a level so that they just can't do it. My third prediction, Josiah DeGuara will be a better football player than Jay Sternberger. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean stats because, remember, Jace is taking the role of Jimmy Graham. Josiah is taking the role of Mercedes Lewis. Factor in that Mercedes is already there, might cut into DeGuara's snap time but also just yards, right? Jace is just a receiver. But I'm talking in terms of like PFF grade. In other words, well-rounded. Look at the full body of work. Your route running ability when the ball doesn't come to you. Did you get open? You, you still get graded for that. You know, and, and also you can be a better receiver, but get less targets because you're on the field less and you're open two yards down the field as opposed to Jace who's open 10 yards down the field. So I'm not talking about stats. I'm talking about coming in and just being a better football player. And the reason I'm saying that is nothing against Jace. But remember, Jace is extremely raw. He played one year at Texas A&M, one year, and then he went into the NFL. And then he didn't get a lot of snaps. Josiah DeGuara has been at Cincinnati for five years. He's been starting 
at least four out of those five years, and they run a very similar system to what Matt LaFleur wants. Josiah DeGuara is is miles ahead of Jace. Now, Jace understands specific terminology. He understands the, you know, the, I'm sure there's certain things he understands better, but in terms of the ability to pick it up and surpass Jace, DeGuara absolutely has that ability. And and Jace was not on the field. The reason he was on the was not on the field was more to do with his inability to comprehend things, right? Jimmy Graham is a veteran. He knows what to do. He knows what's expected. He knows all this stuff. Jace just didn't. He had a long way to go. He had a lot to learn. And I just think DeGuara is much more plug-and-play. I've been saying that for a long time. So I think he comes in, he handles those responsibilities. And to be honest, it's probably a slightly easier job than Jace has. DeGuara is going to be used a little bit more deceptively. With DeGuara lined up at the H-back role, you don't know what he's going to be doing. He could be blocking, he could be a receiver. He's probably going to be blocking most of the time. So when he slips out, it's going to be more of a deceptive type thing. Jace is lined up in the slot. He's not blocking anybody. I mean, he might be on a screen or something. But if he lines up in the slot, people are going to be covering him. He has to actually work a lot harder to get up. So I, I, I just think everybody's super jacked about Jace. Nobody likes DeGuara. I think DeGuara is going to be a, a pretty solid piece for the team. And again, although Jace will probably have bigger numbers, I think DeGuara is going to be a slightly better and a little bit more reliable piece for guys like Rodgers, and especially LaFleur, I think, is going to really like DeGuara. Now we get into the fun stuff. My breakout player of the year, and he wasn't on the list before because part of the qualifications of being a Devontae-type breakout is the fact that you didn't necessarily play very well, at least for a year, but more than likely two years. This person came in and did play decently well and you could pick a lot of different guys and honestly I'm, I'm pretty torn and everybody's really big on one and it's probably a safer bet to say a guy like Jair but I'm gonna say Darnell Savage you could also go Rashawn you could go Jace I'm going Darnell first of all he's the guy he's not gonna lose his job since day one he was in that spot so Rashawn is not where he needs to be mentally, at least he wasn't last year. Jace wasn't where he needed to be mentally. He did start to pick up more snaps toward the end, but there's still that element of, I don't even know if they know what they're doing yet. Jair is a little bit more risky, in my opinion, just because, man, oh man, the alarms. That's my gotta-get-going alarm, though. Jair is a little bit more risky because we've kind of seen what he is, and for two years he was the same guy. That doesn't mean he can't still break out, and I hope he does. But I feel like Darnell has a ridiculous ceiling. And I think he had so much exposure last year as a starter that maybe Pettin can start unraveling a little bit. Because remember, a lot of these guys were first-year guys. We brought in a ton of guys. Rashawn was first-year, Zadarius, Preston, Savage, Amos. They're all first-year guys. And at best, everybody's a second-year guy because Pettin only been there for two years. So I'm thinking at this point, with everybody at least having a year under their belt, we start adding layers. And Savage is the kind of guy... That can do a lot of stuff. You put him a little bit close to the line of scrimmage, his ability to blitz, his ability to cover a bunch of different areas. Again, the biggest thing is to turn thinking into just doing. And I think if he can make that transition from just not thinking and just reacting with his speed and his athletic ability and everything else, he's got he's got superstar potential written all over him. Now, the Packers have a lot of those guys because they love athleticism. And that's kind of the exciting thing. You look at Jace, you look at Rashawn, you look at Darnell, you look at Jair, you look at Kevin King. It's just a, it's a matter of if any of these guys, if it clicks mentally for any of these guys, they're going to be superstars. Kevin King has Richard Sherman potential. I think Jair has Chris Harris potential. I think Rashawn Gary has Jadavian Clowney slash Daniil Hunter potential. And I think, Dur- I think uh, Darnell Savage has Earl Thomas potential. 
And, and listen, I'm not just saying that just picking random names. It's because of the attributes, right? I don't think Adrian Amos has sky-high potential. I think he is what he is, and I'm glad he is what he is. But he was never going to be an Earl Thomas. Not going to really say anything about Jace, because he's not really, he's not ultra-athletic or anything. But he could still be pretty good. But anyways, my, my final fun little uh, prediction. I'm going all in on this season. And what I mean by that is, I think this season is going to be a success. I think what they're trying to build is going to work. And specifically, I'm talking about this offense. I think they lean a little bit more on A.J. Dillon. I think they lean a little bit more on the run, the short passes, the play-action passes. And I believe Aaron Rodgers has his best season since 2014. Now, that isn't all that necessarily hard to do. Because technically, Aaron Rodgers has only had a 90 overall grade once since that time period. His highest grade that he's going to have to surpass in order for what I'm saying to be correct is a 91.4 in 2014. It was his highest graded season ever. He had a 93.4 overall grade. I'm saying he surpasses 91.4 overall. In terms of statistics, by the way, um, the 2016 season that I'm saying he's going to surpass, which I, I don't think he's going to surpass it statistically because it's just ridiculous, but he had 5,400 yards and 49 touchdowns with only nine interceptions. That probably won't be surpassed. But even looking at 2014, um, the year in which I'm, I'm not saying he's going to surpass, but roughly he had 4,800 yards and 42 touchdowns. So I think the touchdowns will be in the 40s. And I think he'll have over 4,500 yards and just like just about every year under 10 touchdowns. We'll call it, I don't know, seven-ish. By the way, 2014, he had 8.3 yards per attempt, which is crazy. But there you have it. Those are my predictions for the season. Bold predictions. You folks have yourselves a fantastic day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.